Praise the Lord, everyone. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. Would you help me for just a minute or so call on the Lord right now? Something happens when we call on the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe something can happen this morning if somebody will call on the name of Jesus. Would you help me with that right now? Come on, let's call on His name. Lord, we dedicate these next couple of hours to You, God. Amen. Anything can happen in Your house when we call on Your name. Amen. Lord, we're expecting great things. We believe that we are in an era of miracles, God. Signs and wonders that are performed by Your hand, Jesus. Amen. Let Your hand move over me, God. Let Your hand move over this congregation, God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we dedicate these moments to You, God. Amen. Amen. Somebody pray, God, change me this morning. Somebody pray, God, get in me this morning. Somebody pray, God, get all over me this morning. Amen. I need You, Jesus. I need You in my life more today than I did yesterday, Jesus. Have Your way, God. Amen. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. And you can turn with me to the book of Ezra chapter 1. And I do believe that God wants to do something special this morning. You believe that? Amen. 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 You believe you can receive. Amen. I want to receive this morning. I want to receive. Yes. Praise the Lord. What an awesome, awesome Sunday we had. Amen. How God moved. And uh, the Lord's worked a miracle in our life. I believe He's working miracles in your life. Yes, He is. Amen. And it's hard to follow yes, up the way that Sister Kirsten testified, but uh, she, she didn't even give you the gist of it, to be honest with you. There's just so much that God has done that has sprung from that. But one thing is for sure is that baby LaRue is on the way. Yeah. Yes. Amen. It's on the way. Amen. We, we heard a heartbeat yesterday. Amen. And God's still working miracles. He's still working miracles. Praise God. Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm going to read several verses here. And we're continuing reading from the Old Testament. We're reading of different things that maybe is not the most preached thing in the world, but uh, we're letting God speak to us from it. And we're going to talk about King Cyrus this morning. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you my title, and that is Stirred by God. Stirred by God. Anybody want to be stirred by God this morning? Hallelujah. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, everybody say Cyrus. Cyrus. King of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing saying, Thus says King Cyrus of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you all of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God. 
which is in Jerusalem. And, whoso, and whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of this place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Verse 5, Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, goods and livestock, precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and put in the temple of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, brought them out by the hand of Mithridath, the treasurer, and counted them unto Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. This is the number of them, 30 gold platters, 1,000 silver platters, 29 knives, 30 gold basins, 410 silver basins of a similar kind, and 1,000 other articles. All these articles of gold and silver were 5,400. All these Sheshbazar took with the captives who were brought from Sheshbazar, which were brought from Babylon uh, to Jerusalem. Amen. So uh, the beginning of the book of Ezra is, is telling of the rebuilding of the temple. The rebuilding of the temple that was commissioned by King Cyrus, who was the, the key verse and all that. The portion of it I want to focus on is the fact that King Cyrus, the scriptures specifically say he was stirred by God. He was stirred by God to do this. Amen. Now, you remember, uh, everybody remembers, uh, as far as I can tell, probably exactly where they were on September 11, 2001. And you'll never forget that day. There are times in history in people who have lived, there's going to be a time or two in your life where something happens that is so impactful, whether it's devastating or awesome, that you never forget what happened, where you were, how it felt. And that's the way September 11th was. And you heard the news that the Twin Towers had collapsed and the, the footage of the passenger jets. If you get back, if you go on to YouTube and you see and watch again, uh, it, to me, it never gets less impacting to see it happen. It, it's still, it's, it's a shock. It's, it's something that you don't, we shouldn't see. It shouldn't come before our eyes, but it happened. It happened. And immediately after the attack, the New York City skyline appeared empty because it was missing these two towers. And although the Empire State Building and scores of other skyscrapers that are on that island still stood, there was a cavity where the Twin Towers had stood that seemed to be all anyone could see. But America began to rebuild. And... Uh, Still today, we remind ourselves of that. We just, we just finished the World Series and something that happened directly after that, you might recall, was President Bush going out onto the field at the World Series to throw out one of the first pitches. And that might be the last time that our country was so unified in politics in general. Amen. Because everybody was eager to see the president go out and kind of lead the nation, stand up and throw that first pitch. Veterans were there. And less than five years after that happened, 
the construction on the Freedom Tower began. I wish I had a picture to show you that today, but it would be different than the Twin Towers. It would only be one tower and it would be taller than the original towers. The Freedom Tower actually stands 1,776 feet tall. A reminder of the year that freedom rang in this country. Exactly that many feet tall. And it took just over eight years to build it. And this marvel arose from the ashes of sorrow and death. It's not all that different from the way that the children of Israel felt in our text. They remembered what it was like to worship God at the temple. And that had been ripped from their lives dramatically. But they also remembered the dark day when Babylon stormed into their city with swords swinging and ripping kids out of families' arms and bringing families into captivity. They destroyed the temple and they captured the people. And decades after that captivity, God began to stir the heart of a heathen king by the name of Cyrus to give God's people permission to rebuild that temple. Now I'm relating these two things because I'm telling you in their time, it was, it was far more important to them than a twin tower. It was the place that they worshiped God and it had been destroyed. That was a terrorist attack. This was the, des the destruction of religious freedom for them completely. It was taken from them. And they would begin to rebuild this temple and it'd be different than the first. It was not as expensive and not as expansive, but it would be the place where God's people could once again meet with their God. And although the enemy had destroyed the house of God, the enemy could not destroy their faith in God. Amen. Now let me ask you this this morning. If it gets to a point where the house of God is ripped out of your life, are you still going to be able to have faith in God? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. How about this? There's countries that we uh, support missionaries in where there really is no dedicated house of God because if the country found out that there was a dedicated house of God, it'd be burned. So they have to choose to have faith in God no matter what. Amen. And so there was a stirring that began and God stirred the hearts of unbelievers and believers alike to spark a revival into a relationship with Him that there had not been in many years. You know, children are incredibly impressionable. They'll believe just about anything that you tell them. And for the most part, they accept what they see and hear as the gospel according to Luke. It's just, it's just the way it is, what they see and hear. Around ages 13 to 21, we develop strong friendships and peer groups, and we're influenced by these relationships as well as what environment we're in. And our values and our principles are set in that age, about 13 to 21. And there's a lot of people that believe that uh, whoever you are when you come out of that age is who you're always going to be, generally. That's your personality. That's who you are. It's been formed at that point. And psychologists excuse me, say that barring a significant emotional event that stirs us deeply, we are likely not going to change much. Unless there's the death of a loved one, 
a major illness, or a catastrophic event that dramatically alters our thinking, behavior, and actions. In the kingdom of God, a significant spiritual event can stir us so deeply that we change our thinking, our behavior, and our actions. Now I wonder if there's somebody in this room that you could wave your hand and say somewhere, sometime in an altar, past that age of 13 to 21, God changed me. And He altered my thinking. I hope that you can say that that's happened at least once in the last year. I hope you can say it's happened at least once in the last month. Because that's the intention of God is to stir you. And change your thinking, change your mind, change your behavior and your actions. Amen. This is what happened to Cyrus in the book of Ezra. Something, something happened to King Cyrus. This book of Ezra that we're reading out of, it details the story of the Jewish people leaving Babylon, coming back to the promised land. Because of the sin of the people, God had allowed the Babylonians to defeat them and take her out of the promised land. The, the book of Lamentations, the whole point of it is this deep longing of the people to return to the land that God had given them. And although during this time of exile, the Jewish people were um, treated well for the most part. You remember talking about how they took the wisest of the young men. Remember that Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and they began to teach them. It wasn't like they were just completely being enslaved. They were being taught how to be Babylonians. And you got to leave what you know and believe and believe what we believe. And so through all this, they still had a desire to return home. And during this time, the Jews began to return to the writings of Moses. So they got back in their Bible, if you will. And they began reading about their history. And they were doing this in an effort to understand what had gone wrong. What did we do for God to put us in this place? And in going back in the book and reading about it, hope was stirred in them once again. And I'm telling you this morning, if you'll get in this book, God's going to stir something in you. Amen. Amen. If you make an effort to get into this book, some way, somehow, God is going to stir you Amen. for doing that. He'll stir you. Amen. Out of the Word of God, they found a reason to be stirred by God. And to let their faith begin to rekindle. All of a sudden sparks started to rise. And all of a sudden that turned into a flame. Amen. In the writings of the prophet Isaiah. Some, listen to this, 150 years before what we're reading. The Lord had prophesied of Cyrus. And he said this, Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 28. I want you to see this and read it for yourself. 150 years before our text. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he shall perform all my pleasure. Saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Specifically called out the name of somebody who their parents and grandparents had not even been born yet. This man's going to rebuild my temple. 
He further said in Isaiah 45 and verse 13, I have raised him up in righteousness and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city and let my exiles go free. Not for price nor reward, says the Lord of hosts. Prophecy over what God was getting ready to do. Amen. Obviously, the Hebrews would have been excited to hear that there was a ruler named Cyrus that was now in charge of Babylon. They would have been overjoyed. Their hearts would have jumped within them at the knowledge of what God was doing on their behalf. And this is what is interesting this morning. Ezra 1 and 1 tells us that the Lord stirred up King Cyrus. Everybody say stirred. He stirred up Cyrus. This was not something that Cyrus contrived or planned on his own. The word stirred in scripture literally means to awaken. Cyrus was awake. In other words, the Lord was awakening Cyrus to his God-given purpose of why exactly he was ruling over Babylon. It was the hand of God that was working on him to affect the rebuilding of the temple and the release of his people. God has always had a plan and a purpose for his people. That's not going to change. Amen. No matter how tough the times get, how strange things are in our world, he's still got a plan for his people. And at critical times in history, he awakened people. He stirred people to accomplish his purpose. I would like to ask you this morning, what purpose might God awaken you to as to why he has placed you exactly where you are today? Amen. Maybe you don't quite get or understand why you're placed where you are. Maybe Cyrus had a different idea of why he was given control of Babylon. But at some point, God stirred him and awakened him. I've placed you where you're at and all that you're dealing with, every problem, every good thing that you are seeing right now so that you can accomplish my purpose. Right. Amen. I want to tell somebody this morning, whatever you're dealing with, the good or the bad, God has placed you to accomplish his purpose. Yes. I don't care how bad it seems. Amen. Or how prosperous you find yourself. How well off you are today or how bad off you are. God has a purpose for you. Amen. And all things work together for the good of them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Amen. Now, whether Cyrus was a true worshiper of God or not, we really don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us specifically. But we do know this, that he responded to God stirring him. Yes. Amen. Maybe you don't know everything about God, but if he stirs you and you respond, you're going to be all right. Yes. Amen. He responded to God stirring him in verses 2 and 4 of Ezra chapter 1. Thus says King Cyrus of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, 
And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, goods and livestock, besides the free will offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. King Cyrus acknowledged five specific things in responding to God. The first thing he acknowledged is, the Lord God of heaven has spoken to me. That's the first thing. And we need to be willing to recognize when God is speaking. Amen. Amen. We need to de develop and mature some spiritual sensitivity. And not only that, but have our ears open for him to say something. You know, there's a lot of times we pray and we talk and we talk and talk and talk and talk to him. And then we just get up and leave and we don't really open up for a point for him to speak back. That's right. Amen. But we got to be open. God is going to speak to me. God wants to speak to me. Amen. And he may very well do it. I got to be ready for it. The second thing that he acknowledged is the Lord has appointed him to build a temple for the Lord in Jerusalem. The third thing, he was going to free any Jewish exile to return home if they desired to do so. The fourth thing, he ordered those who returned to be involved in the rebuilding of the temple. If you're going to return, we want you to help us rebuild this temple. And they were excited about this, so that shouldn't have been a problem for them. And the fifth thing he acknowledged, he encouraged those who did not wish to return to be supportive of the project financially. And so if you're not going to help us build this thing, that's okay. But please support us financially to be able to afford to do it. Amen. And this was the plan. This, this is how Cyrus set it up. And as much as I can read into the scriptures here, Cyrus reacted, he responded, and followed exactly what God wanted to see. He didn't stray from it. And in our own lives, we need to do the things that God has stirred us to do. Amen. I want you to hear me this morning. Listen, there are times when God moves on us greatly to take action in the Spirit. And I'm not talking about just uh, ministers. I'm talking about God moves on His people and stirs them to do things sometimes in the Holy Ghost. In the middle of a service, God may do that. Anybody would say, yeah, God has moved on you to go lay a hand on somebody once or twice? And He's stirring you to do that. He's trying to orchestrate his plan and use you in the middle of it. And so God wants us to take action in the spirit, whether it's something that seems as small as that or it's something a lot bigger. It's time to respond to God Amen. and not hold back and to do what he wants us to do. We need to be bold in our faith. Yes. Amen. And even the more as the day grows closer, we need to respond to God. When we do, we're going to see the blessings of God just like Cyrus did. Amen. And so God charged him to build a temple in Jerusalem. The job that Cyrus was given by God would seem rather strange for a Persian king to do. This isn't something Persian kings did. It was God stirring him to do it. Building a temple for a God Persians did not worship in a city that was a holy city for the Jewish people had to seem like an odd thing to the people standing around. But 
God knew exactly what he was doing. God knows exactly what he's doing. As odd as it may seem to us, we can rest assured that every single promise and prophecy of God is going to come to pass. Now, they knew that prophecy about Cyrus. And there may have been years where people said, I ain't heard of no Cyrus nowhere uh, uh, that, that's delivering us from anything or building any kind of temple. I hadn't heard of it in a hundred years. But one day, a Cyrus comes along and God fulfills His Word. Right. Amen. He always fulfills and honors His Word. Amen. He may use the most unlikely of people to do it. And the most unlikely of circumstances in which to accomplish it. But he always honors his word. You hear me this morning? God always honors his word. Amen. Amen. When Sister Kirsten and I discovered that we were going to have a baby, it wasn't completely out of the blue. God had made us a promise. It had been prophesied more than once, more than twice, more than five times. It was not completely out of the blue. The word of God had been spoken. And God was simply doing what he promised. And that's what God does. That's the nature of God. He does what he promises. He doesn't speak something to pivot and do something else. He speaks it because he intends to do it before us. Amen. God is simply doing what he said he would. He's already stirred us for it. The kingdom of God will be built as people respond to his stirrings. He stirs people to build his kingdom. And he prompts people to do great things for him. You say, well, I don't feel God stirring me. Well, then maybe you need to stir yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother March and me were listening to somebody preach a message uh, that last week, I believe, and they got to talking about if you go up north, they don't have sweet tea. They've got unsweet, and then they hand you a pink, white, or blue packet, or yellow packet to deal with. They're getting all the colors of the rainbow now. And they give it to you, and the problem is that tea's already cold. And I guess they don't have the sense to understand what then takes place. Oh, well, here's your tea in your packet, you know. Praise God. And you pour that packet in there, and you stir it up, and for a minute it might be great. But a couple minutes later, you're going to take a sip out of that thing. It's going to be so bitter, you're going to turn colors. Because it's all come down to the bottom. So what do you do? You stir it up. Amen. Amen. And so if things have kind of settled in your Holy Ghost this morning, you need to stir it up. Amen. So I'm going to wait on God to stir me. Well, He stirs people. But sometimes we need to stir ourselves. Amen. It's not the responsibility of God to hold our hands through the Holy Ghost the whole time. He's given us the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we've got to stir ourselves up. I'm in the book, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. 
Y'all can quote this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Hallelujah. You got fear in your life this morning? You ought to stir up the gift of God in you. Fear is not of God. The Holy Ghost is of God and you've got it in you. Stir it up. Stir it up. Cyrus was responding to the Holy, the, the Spirit of God impressing on him to free the Jewish people. Amen. Many times in the Word of God, we see the Lord moving in the lives of people who don't serve Him to fulfill His purpose. And God will do that. God will do that. There was a time when you wasn't serving Him and He stirred you up. Amen. He stirs up people who don't even believe sometimes. And He's got the ability to harden or to uh, soften the hardest heart. And He can cause uh, a paradigm shift in somebody's life. And cause them to look at things different. Their thinking, their behavior, their actions. And in our text, Cyrus was moved on by the Spirit of God. And his heart was stirred. And in response, he acted upon what God asked him to do. Sometimes you need God to show you a different angle. Amen. Sometimes, even for us who are already living for him, sometimes we need a new vision of what we need to do in serving him. And we need God to deliver that to us. We need a new view of what He sees and not just what we see. Ezekiel 11 and 19. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. This is what God does. Remember how we learned uh, earlier that stirred means to awaken. If God stirs somebody, He's awakening them. We know God can even awaken the heart that is far from Him. That doesn't have anything to do with Him. John chapter 6, verse 44 makes that clear to us. No one can come, this is Jesus speaking, to me unless the Father who sent me draws Him. God draws people. And I will raise Him up at the last day. This shows us this morning that the Lord is always willing to stir hearts of people who don't believe. Amen. Just as much as people who do believe. Can I tell you that God has stirred the hearts of people in this community this week? Yes. People that don't live this truth. Some people don't even go to church. God, I, I have observed personally God has stirred them. Amen. And we know that not only Cyrus was stirred... But the Israelites were also stirred or awakened out of being spiritually lethargic. That's where they were. Verse 5 of Ezra chapter 1. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests of the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved, amen, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Notice the words, rose up. This means that they had been awakened and they were responding to God. Amen. If you're going to respond to God, it means that there needs to be some movement underway. 
Amen. Just like when you came to an altar and you raised your hands for the very first time, you responded to God. He was moving on you and you responded. And that don't really change as we move on in our relationship with God. He moves on us. We got to respond. We got to respond to it. And so God all of a sudden sweeps into a service and he takes us off in a whole different direction. It's not for us to sit by and watch it happen. It's for us to respond and go with the current of the Holy Ghost that's moving into this place. Hallelujah. Amen. For 70 years, they had been in captivity. 70 long years of a little more hope disappearing each day. Every day. 70 years of slowly forgetting who they were in God. But with the decree of Cyrus, all of a sudden hope revived inside of them. And they were stirred to return to their homeland. They knew it would not be an easy task. They were well aware of the cities of their land now laid in ruins and they'd have to be rebuilt. It would take commitment. It would take sacrifice to rebuild the temple and their homes. But the Spirit of the Lord had stirred them and they had to respond. And it all started with one decree, a decree by King Cyrus. I mean to tell you this morning that the hand of God moves swiftly. It moves swiftly. Yes. And 150 years from the spoken name of Cyrus in a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, 150 years is a long time, but one decree went out and the hand of God moved swiftly. Yes. And all of a sudden, the temple is being rebuilt that quick. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about the swift hand of God this morning that can work even in our midst. When He begins to move, you cannot be ready for it. Amen. And I just believe that there's things that God wants to do amongst us that you're never going to completely be ready for it. He's going to move so swift and it'll happen so fast. Amen. It's almost going to make some heads spin. But that's the way God works. He can make it happen like that. Amen. Somebody could get healed just like that. Amen. That's the swift hand of God. And so they began to unify and they had a desire to respond. And having a desire to respond to God is not enough alone. It takes action to see the plan and purpose of God come to pass. If the temple was going to be rebuilt, it took money and resources. Amen. It was going to take that. The Israelites did not waver at how difficult it was going to be or how much they would have to sacrifice. And if God had chosen to, He could have miraculously just built the place. He, you know, it, it could have just appeared. And all of a sudden the temple was rebuilt. He could have done that if He wanted to. But God intends to work through people for His kingdom. He chose to use them and the resources they had to do the work. And it's the same in the church today. God could finish His work immediately if He wanted to right now. He's that powerful and that almighty. Amen. 
but he chooses to work through you and me to accomplish it. And that's the perfect will of God. God works through his people and he wants to use what you have. Right. Yes. yes, he does. The Jews began to gather vessels of silver and gold and they added property that they had as well as their animals, other valuables. They were willing to give everything to see the temple rebuilt. They did not reserve things selfishly and hold back, but they gave gladly to the work of the Lord. They realized that the things that they were given were first of all given to them by God to begin with. I mean, it's so much easier to give and sacrifice when you realize God gave it to you to begin with. Yes. Amen. It was never really yours. It was always his. They realized that the things they were given were by God to begin with. And so they were willing to use their blessings to be a blessing. Amen. I want to see revival, but I don't have much to work with. No, God wants your personality. He wants your abilities. He wants your sacrifice. He didn't decide to use the person down the road for this. He chose you Amen. for His purpose. And you do have what it takes or He wouldn't have chosen you. You see, that was Moses' argument, right? I don't have what it takes. I've got problems. I've got my own issues that disqualify me for what you want to use me for. And it ain't going to be able to happen. You need to find somebody, some politician, you know, somebody who speaks really well. Some prophet somewhere. You've always used prophets. Go find a prophet and use them. This, this was the, the, the base of Moses' argument. So I'm slow of speech. I'm not going to be able to do it. But what is it that God said to him? He said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to one, be the one to do it. I don't have what it takes. And God said, I am. I am what it takes. Amen. God never calls you to do anything or He never asks from you anything that He's not already given you. That's right. He never does. That's right. That's right. And so I'm going to illustrate this one. This, this what I'm talking about. Brother March, I want you to give me $100 in $20 bills. Okay? Amen. He's taking us all out for lunch today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Twenty, forty, sixty, eighty, a hundred dollars. Amen. Now, the reason that Brother March was able to hand this to me this morning is because before this service started, I handed in my wallet. And I didn't tell him what it was for or what purpose I was giving this wallet for. I just handed it to him and I said, hold on to this. And that's the way God works. He places it in you. You may not ever know what you needed it for. You may not have a clue. And then when he comes around and asks if you would be used by him, there's a lot of times that we just say, well, I ain't got it. If he's asking for it, he's already put it in you. He's already placed it in you. Who am I to tell God, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. When he's asking, he formed me, he molded me, he's given me everything that I've got. There's not a blessing that I could give to anybody that he's not already given me to make that possible. Amen. 
That's the way God works. Amen. So he calls on people that he's given us the ability. Yes. Amen. And so I, I, I've got a little spiritual, I guess, irritation in me today. I don't know if that's what you would call it. Uh, uh, this thing that's like, well, the bigger church can do it. Or that brother over there that talks a lot better than me can do it. Or there will be a time later on down the road where we'll be able to accomplish that. We're just not there yet. I don't believe that this morning. I really don't believe that. I believe God wants revival now. Yeah. Amen. He wants revival now. Amen. He's called us to it. He's put everything inside the people in this church sitting on these pews, a part of this congregation, to make it happen. Amen. Do you feel the burden of that this morning? Yes, Lord. I hope somewhere in the words that are coming out of my mouth, amen, that I feel in the Holy Ghost that you feel what God has placed in you. Yes, He's Lord. given to you for revival. Some things He didn't give to Pastor LaRue. Some of those things He didn't give to Brother Ryan or somebody up here on the platform, but He put them in you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. You know what I'm calling on this morning? I'm getting ready to close. Sister Kim, you can come to the piano. But I'm telling you, what I'm calling for today is boldness. Yes, amen. I'm calling for boldness. It's time to step out. Yes. Great God. It is time to step out with what God has placed in you. Amen. To be salt and light. In the world. Amen. <laughs> I've told about this before, but when the, for the first time I sat down at my in-laws table for dinner, I discovered what salt was. Because Brother March took one of those big old, uh, I forget what that classic brand of salt is, but it's the cylinder container. You know what I'm talking about. The little girl with an umbrella. It's just, Sister Wilson knows what I'm talking about. She's shaking her head. And they slammed that thing down on the table. And I can't remember what we was eating, but uh, I think whatever we was eating was the side to the salt. Because they use salt. Praise God. Amen. But salt gives flavor. Salt gives flavor. Yes, sir. Amen. And you got to have it. You got to have it, you know. Amen. If, if, if we lose that flavor... What are we in this world? What are we in this world? You know, water, water can grow stagnant if it just sits. That's why we flush this baptistry out and put new water in so we make sure that they don't catch more than the Holy Ghost, whatever sickness they might get from that water, praise God. Water grows stagnant. Amen. And so sometimes you got to freshen it up. You've got to stir up the gift that is within you because God wants to use you. And God looks at Moses and he says, I know you're saying that you're not what it takes, but I'm saying I am what it takes and I'm with you. That's what God was saying to Cyrus. This is my plan. I've, it's been in my plan for over 150 years. And I'm telling you to accomplish it. And I've given you everything that you need. 
God stirs His people. Amen. We can't afford to grow stagnant in our Holy Ghost. Mm. We can't afford to grow stagnant in our Holy Ghost. If we become stagnant, there's going to be souls lost. Amen. Without a continual stirring of the Spirit, our local congregations will be little more than places to gather with no real purpose. There has to be a fresh outpouring. Amen. I need a fresh outpouring in my spirit this morning. Amen. Amen. I hope you desire that too today. Hallelujah. And so in 2 Timothy 1 and 6, Paul admonished Timothy, stir up the gift of God. He was telling him he needed to continue allowing God to move on him and through him for him to do things for God. We've each got a responsibility to keep that gift stirred up within us. Yes, Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Two years after the Jews returned to Jerusalem, Ezra 3 tells about how the foundation of the temple was finally laid. And it was a monumental occasion. It was monumental. I want you to think about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare this to how it would be in our lives. I want you to imagine that we went to war with some country. That country won. And they come through and tore down our churches and wouldn't allow us to worship. Then one day, we get rescued out of that and all of a sudden we start building back our church. Can you imagine the excitement, the joy that would spring out of us? That's what was happening right here. And I want you to listen. In Ezra chapter 3, verse 10, when they started building this thing, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, praised the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord had been laid. It wasn't even finished yet, but they were excited at the fact that there was a foundation. Amen. From the beginning. It was going to be some time before the thing was completely built, but the foundation, the start was there. And they wanted to assure that God was given the praise. Amen. Now there was some of them there was some of them, I ain't going to read it, but there was some of them that started crying. And from far away, they heard a mixed reaction to this. There was some of them that was out there crying. Because they remembered the old temple. And I guess this one didn't really stack up to it to them. You know, we can, we can become satisfied with the old things that God has done and not be in the moment of what He's doing right now. That's right. We can miss out because of old things what God is doing before us right now. Yes. And He said, 
that the latter is going to be greater than the former. And greater things than these shall you do. Amen. And I believe that's prophecy of us today. Amen. It's prophecy. Of God wants to do greater things. Amen. He wants to do things through us. Amen. Amen. And there's always going to be a hand tied to our past, but we better be living in our present right now and see and be a part of what God is doing today. Thank God for yesterday, but thank God for today. Thank God for the prophecies of the future, but what about today? Amen. God wants to do something today. Would you lift your hands all across this house as God is moving? In our midst, amen, come on, lift your hands in this place and make a connection with God.